Hey, Blenders, on this week's show, we celebrate episode number 300 by welcoming Denis Villeneuve back to the show. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hello, Blenders, and welcome. Welcome to episode number 300 of Real Blend, a podcast that started as an award show, had Alfonso Cuaron on as a guest, Talked with Robert Rodriguez about being a chocolatier, used to end every episode by shouting Dunkirk, named Damien Chazelle the patron saint of Real Blend, and eventually got to tell him that in person. Uh, got followed by Kevin's mom a couple of thousand times. Met listeners in London, Chicago, DC, Austin, Texas, and Los Angeles at the New Beverly. Recorded a show. At Quentin Tarantino's house, got Christopher Nolan to yell Dunkirk, sort of, <laughs> went viral <laughs> Went viral with Sir Ridley Scott, thanks to A24, calls Hans Zimmer a show friend, ruined some dude's screening of Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> sometimes goes by the name The Chuckle Club, and now has Denis Villeneuve as a returning guest for Dune Part 2. My name is Sean O'Connell, the managing editor here at Cinema Blend and a co-host of the Real Blend podcast, as I have been for 300 episodes. And everyone out there knows my OCD really appreciates a nice round number. <laughs> it's so beautiful. Uh, joined this week, as always, by my wonderful friend, Kev McCarthy of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C. Hi, Kev. How are you? I get the first hello on 300. You do. Yes. Oh, that's, yeah, I'm so bullshit, excited man. about that. Hell yeah, baby. <laughs> now I know where I'm right, at. Let's go ahead and move on, on to 301. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> As, uh, and Jake Hamilton of Fox 32 in Chicago. Uh, Jakey, how are you, my friend? Hey, three he 300 episodes in and I have not quit yet. It's true. You guys have no idea how many times we've had to talk Jake off the ledge and keep him. How, in how many bits chairs. have we like had going and then just sort of abandoned by the wayside? That being me quitting being one of them. Oh yeah, that was a good one for <laughs> that a was long a, time. that was a thing for a long time. Uh, someone how reminded me also. Uh, I don't remember. I think y'all just you kept pissing I, me off. Yeah, you and I often agreed on stuff, and 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 uh, Jake was wrong about so many things early <laughs> on. Someone also reminded me in an email um, how much we always used to blame stuff on Gabe when Gabe didn't talk. Oh, uh, that's right. But then Gabe finally joined the show. Hey, Gabe Kovach, how are you? Hi, I'm here. I'm real. Yes. Or am I an, an AI imagination? <laughs> We've been lying this whole time. Yes. Uh, on this week's show, it's episode 300. We're going to celebrate uh, after we get to our main guest. His name is Denis Villeneuve. He has a, a movie coming to theaters called Dune Part 2. And he decided to swing by the Roblox podcast. Indie, yes. Yes. Uh, 
to talk about his his sequel. Uh, let's get to housekeeping really fast. If you're watching us on YouTube, hello. Thank you very much for joining us as you do every Friday or whenever you decide to catch up with the show. Uh, we drop 730s uh, Eastern. Please head down, give us a like and a subscribe. Join us here each week for new episodes for our audio listeners. If you want to join us in video form, head to youtube.com backslash Real Blend Podcast. But of course, we're available all different places you get your podcast needs met. If you want to sign up for Real Blend Premium as well, too, it gets you an ad-free version of the show, a newsletter from myself. Um, so check the description for information on where to sign up. Okay, so it's March 1st, and we have been planning uh, not just for the 300th episode, but for this entire month, we are turning ourselves into uh, Dune Blend. Dune Blend. Dune, Dune was a very exciting movie for I us. I assume like it gave time. a really cool, expensive yeah. graphic at that I, moment. I, yeah, 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 yeah. I wish we Dune had Skarsgård, Skarsgård's voice going, my Dune Blend. My Dune Blend. <laughs> that would be, be awesome. <laughs> uh, so 300, the 300 celebration and the Dune Blend celebration is going to kick off with Denis. Uh, well, actually, that's not true. Hold on, I'll explain that in a second. It's going to continue uh, for weeks to come. We do have Rebecca Ferguson, the great Rebecca Ferguson, is joining the show. <laughs> She'll be our guest coming next week. We are currently working on an If It Happens uh, that we're recording this week before before this episode drops. So by the time the episode drops, hopefully it will have happened. More on that as it comes. And I want to let people know that Dune Blend officially did kick off with uh, director of photography, cinematographer, uh, Greg Frazier, which is an episode that's now available uh, on our feeds, and he was phenomenal. Hopefully, you've listened to that by now. Greg Frazier's uh, credits are ridiculous, and getting to talk to him about cinematography was an incredible, incredible geek out session. As is this interview right now. Uh, huge fans. <laughs> that's such an understatement. Huge fans of Denis Villeneuve. Hey, Sean. Uh, I can't believe. Yeah. Do you yeah. think Denis considers us friends yet? No. no I guess we'll find out. <laughs> he <laughs> absolutely <laughs> does not. Certainly does not. <laughs> not like hands. Hands is show friends. Denis is slowly approaching, thinking about being right. our friend. Christopher Nolan brings us up and he goes, hey, 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 Chris, I'm not friends with the real blind guys. <laughs> That's a joke that will make sense what you've. This will make a lot more sense after you've heard Denis. This is Denis Villeneuve returning to the Real Blend podcast to talk about his new film, Dune Part 2. What did you bring us? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Comfort food. <laughs> so we are the Real Blend podcast. Um, I'm Sean. That's Jake and Kevin. Uh, we were lucky enough to have you on for the first uh, Dune. We're thrilled to have you back for Dune Part Two. I wanted to let you know that um, we're so happy that you delayed your film's opening because it meant that you were able to be uh, our guest on the 300th episode of this show. So it's a milestone wow, 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 for us. Wow, wow. And, uh, and we're thrilled to have you as our, as our guest. So thank you very much for that. That, 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 that is touching. <laughs> well, when we had you on for Dune part one, uh, you were very coy about Dune part two, you know, you, you gave us all of the, if they let us do it and, you know, naturally every film fan believes the Dune two and, and even Dune Messiah at this point is a no brainer. But of course this is a business and we can all talk about brilliant projects that have died on the vine. So I want to know 
it, when you remember or what you remember about the day that the studio officially told you, yes, we're going to roll on Dune 2? Um, the, the, um, first of all, I knew that the Legendary were really uh, uh, proud of the, the first movie and they, 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 they really believed that uh, the, the, they really wanted to, to make uh, uh, the second one. Um, it would have needed a, a catastrophe in order not to to make it, but still, as you rightly said, it's a business, and and I, I I'm, I'm I'm used to take nothing for granted until it's a, and uh, uh, I remember being back home in, in Canada when we learned that finally it was a greenlit, and it was just like at the moment where um, I was doing press and I was like uh, uh, still in the process of uh, we were finishing a screenplay. It was like. Uh, um, Technically, there was no break between part one and part two. I never left Arrakis. I mean, it's like uh, I went from part one to part two directly. Uh, it was uh, okay with me to do this this way because it's not a sequel. It's the second part of, the, of a, a story. And I, we all felt at the time that uh, it was important to go back on Arrakis as quickly as possible. But that meant that uh, we came back in the desert not with a lot of energy. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was like uh, um, uh, very, very inspired, a lot of enthusiasm. But uh, um, um, let's say that, yeah, I had to fuel. My fuel was the actors. And really, uh, they brought a tremendous amount of energy on set that uh, I'm grateful to. Wow. Uh, Denis, I'm going to ask this question carefully without um, any kind of uh, uh, spoilers for this. But... Um, I, I am continuously in awe of everything from the book that you were able to fit into these two movies. But anyone who's read the book does know that there are uh, plot points that didn't make it to the big screen. So I was sort of curious, in your process of adapting the novel to script form, what was your 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 North Star, your deciding factor in terms of what was so important that had to be on the big screen versus something that that made you say, you know what, we're OK without that? First of all, the, the, it's a good question. First of all, the, the, the first decision that was made in part one and the, was that the, the, it's the adaptation will focus on the Bene Gesserit sisters. Uh, as, as for the people who know the book, there's like the spacing guide, there's the mantat, which are as important. But uh, from uh, what deeply inspired me about the book and what I feel was relevant with our time, was to explore this idea of uh, of uh, people using religion as a, as a weapon, you know, as a as a meant of control uh, and uh, as a tool of power. And uh, uh, so I focused this adaptation on the Bene Gesserit sisters. And uh, the second thing, the most important thing to know is that, that um, knowing that Frank Herbert has been had been disappointed by the way people perceived the first book. Uh, when the book came out, he realized that people thought it was like a celebration of Polatridis. And, yeah. and him, his initial intention was to make a, a cautionary tale, a warning against messianic figures. And in order to correct the perception of the, the first book, he wrote a tiny book called Dune Messiah, that is a kind of epilogue almost of the first book, that uh, make his, his initial intention more clear that Paul is an anti-hero. And that all that story is a tragedy. And uh, so knowing that, let's say that I try to be more faithful to Frank Herbert's initial desires than to the book. 
I try to to make sure that the movie will follow uh, his, uh, his initial uh, uh, dream. Love that. Yeah, Denis, uh, you are one of the few filmmakers in the world that reminds me why I love going to the movies. Like I sit down and I watch. I remember seeing Arrival and just being like, holy shit. Like, like, like it, was just, it just blew my mind. And then you, all the films that you've done, I've just found to be reminding me like that that kid again, how why I love going to the movies. But the way you deal with cinematography is fascinating to me because Greg Fraser is one of the greatest DPs of all time. Mm-hmm. And we, we recently had him on our show as a guest and he was wonderful to talk to. And I wanted to get your perspective of the narrative conversations you have with Greg when you're looking at the script and you look at the knife fight, for example, and you say, OK, I have this written out in the screenplay. What what are your conversations like with Greg as you decide what shot you're going to use, what lens you're going to use, how you're going to edit it eventually? I'm just curious about those narrative conversations that you have with your director of photography. But the thing is that first of all, there's always like a, uh, there's multiple conversations, and the 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 the, the, the cinematographer is by far my closest partner uh, on set. You know, is like a, a brother in arms. Uh, it's uh, so there will be it will be through the whole preparation of the movie and the shoot a very intimate, really artistic relationship. Um, I uh, went toward Greg Fraser because the way used natural light I wanted to do in in the June. I wanted to make sure that we will use as less uh, uh, artificial light as possible, that we lose the, the, the power of nature, that that will be put up front in, in, the, in the cinematography. And uh, Greg, of course, is a master at that. And um, we first uh, uh, knew, I knew that um, I wanted to use IMAX as a main format. I knew that I wanted to be the, the, it's a very intimate story. At the end of the day, it's like a, it's a, it's a, we're talking about war, about the control of the planet, about the control of natural resources. But it's it's a, we are following a boy uh, uh, in the first movie that uh, uh, discover a culture, discover a new landscape, uh, and in the second movie, a boy that takes into takes action. And then we, so where I'm going is that we are like very close to to Paul, and I wanted the movie to be as immersive. So uh, that informed a lot the choice of lenses uh, that uh, uh, to be uh, in close proximity of Paul uh, as much as possible until it became something that uh, we are like, it's more difficult to identify with some uh, messianic figures that can foresee the future. So there's a kind of distance that is uh, operated with the lenses at that moment. And we mm-hmm. fall more into Shani's perspective. There's like uh, um, wow. about uh, um, I would say the light. It was uh, uh, it created a lot of uh, a puzzle because uh, my, uh, of my will to work with uh, natural light and work in the real desert. It meant that uh, uh, we had to use only the sun as the main source of light. So it means that it creates chaos in the schedule. If you have two characters talking at the uh, at the top of a sand dune. At sunset, it means that the scene will necessarily be shot on at the end of different days, and uh, uh, and and it's it uh, it's more difficult for the actors, and it become a real puzzle. If you have like just two actors, something, but if you have a battle sequence, and then the location are not multiplied by two or by three, but by the twelve, because you have like different <laughs> angles according to the sun, and so it really it was like a, a, I'm I'm a very I'm I'm in awe of, of how my first lady was able to manage to get out get get out us all alive from that because it was a, a really, really 
a puzzle for the actors and and uh, uh, but uh, Greg and I didn't want to make any compromises. We really uh, uh, and I love that. I love how his uh, passion. I love how he is. Uh, um, yeah, no compromises. And the knife fight, though, it was just unbelievable. Like how you guys decided those shots is un- incredible. How you pulled that off? Yeah, 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 yeah. That 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 uh, is uh, first of all. Uh, uh, I was like grateful that uh, and Austin and Timothy rehearsed for months, months, and months in order to bring that to the screen. And we uh, had like uh, this idea that uh, the the fight will happen at, at the birth of a new day at at uh, at the sunrise, and uh, for that. Uh, Greg created a, 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 a lighting system that I had never seen before. The biggest light system that he created a sunlight uh, in a way that uh, uh, I, I'm still in awe. It was like by far the, I never saw that amount of, um, I don't know if he shared with you the pictures of the rigs, but it's quite impressive. Yeah. Uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of. Uh, no, of, he uh, talked to us about, about the volume that he uses with Matt Reeves and how he never was able to convince you to, to employ the volume system. But the thing is that it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tool that can be very useful for specific things, but it's a tool that I felt was like uh, absolutely the opposite of what I wanted to experience as a filmmaker. And Greg developed the tool, and, and, and I know that it's, it's, it can be used uh, in a very efficient way for specific things, but I didn't feel it was right for, for doing Hundred percent, um, Denis. And I'm not saying I will. I'm not saying I will never use that volume. Right? It can be useful if you make a movie in space or something. It can be a very powerful tool. But but if I want to make a movie in the desert, I will not sit in the studio on the sound stage with a picture of the desert. I want me. I want to go in the real one. <laughs> Hell yes, that's the right yeah. way, man. Hell yeah. Uh, I want to talk briefly about Javier Bardem's first scene in Dune Part One because when he shows up. It's such a delightful reminder of, oh, my God, that's right. Javier Bardem is in this also because your ensemble is incredible. And he shows up a little bit later. Obviously, you give him so much more to do in this film. And it was really important to introduce him in part one. How did he surprise you in terms of what you were finally able to uh, to use out of him, especially going after that religious metaphor that you were just talking about? The thing is that... uh, Stilgar is a very tragic character, is a character that uh, um, needed to have a lot of... uh, uh, we needed to to connect to this character, to have empathy for him. We needed to to feel a certain kind of connection. And uh, 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 Javier brought a lot of humanity and a, and a beautiful levity in the, in, in the character that feel that you feel like in French we say attachant. It's it's a, you're you're moved. You're 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 um, uh, is a kind of funny. Like a, the, it's there's something there that uh, makes his uh, character very close to us and and and. Uh, and I think that the one thing that uh, I was really uh, pleased and I'm sorry, pleased and surprised by was the the the, the complicity developed with the Timothy Chalamet. What I'm saying, surprise. I'm not surprised about their complicity as human beings, but I'm, I'm just that kind of comic relief that uh, uh, where uh, Timothy was more like the straight man and 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 having uh, reacting to to. Stilgar, light madness was. It was like uh, uh, we had a lot of fun to Walker and I to cut uh, those scenes in the editing room. But uh, I think that seeing that character that uh, is uh, like a humble uh, leader that wants to be the, the best for his people, but it is a strong believer in something, and that the faith 
with fate will bring him toward fanatism is something that I feel absolutely tragic and 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 uh, very moving. Yeah, very true. Um, Denis, you have talked about, you know, if you get the chance to make Dune Messiah, that that will be uh, your last Dune film. Um, and and fans of, of the book series often talk about the fact that after Messiah is uh, where things get weird. And, you know, a lot of people reference um, without giving anything away a, a human sandworm hybrid that becomes a, a major character in the series. Uh, I'm just sort of curious. Obviously, those are aspects that you're never going to direct. But how much thought you've given those dune weird plot points that you're never going to bring to film is there any part of you that has thought about in theory how you would direct a human sandworm hybrid or any of the other weird aspects of dune listen i i uh, when i commit to something i commit 100 percent to the what i'm doing in the present time and and uh, i did i i worked on both movies it took me six years uh, uh of course there was a year because of the pandemic that uh well, but uh, uh, it's a it's a it's a lot of time, and and if I do Dune Messiah, it's going to be another two or three years of my life. So it's just that it's just for mental sanity. It's good to say, okay, I can do one more, and after that, I'll see. It's very I, I will, a long time ago. A friend of mine, a producer, said to me, never commit to a project before uh, before you shoot something, meaning that uh, you are always your your desires and your needs as a filmmaker are different after you shut something and so after uh Dune Messiah, i'll see where i am i see if i have still the flame is still there to go back on arrakis or not i'll be surprised because I, there's many movies that i would love to do and it's it's and i i feel that it's healthy it would be healthy to to do to finish Paul Atreides' arc, his, his story, and that uh, and and uh, I, uh, Dune Messiah is really a book that I adore. But after that, it's true that it's getting uh, Frank went out there, and and uh, <laughs> I, I, I um, it's true that uh, uh, it will be challenging to bring that to the screen. I never, I didn't put any thought in that. Uh, honestly, it's one movie at a time. This episode of Real Blend is brought to you by Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Power up your favorite characters and build a team to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and even challenge other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Arena. New ways to battle with your roster are released regularly and the meta is constantly evolving. And now you can sign on for Marvel Strike Force's new Deadpool Anniversary event in order to receive a generous gift containing character shards, an anniversary diamond orb, gear, and other great items. Better yet, each week during the Deadpool anniversary, players can complete events and receive even more special rewards and skins. If you want to get in on all the fun of Marvel Strike Force, be sure to use our promo code MAXPOOL, that's M-A-X-P-O-O-L, and thank you to Marvel Strike Force for supporting the show. Denny, one of the things I find interesting about Paul's journey, especially in the first film, and I, and I mentioned this to you uh, when we were interviewing you for the TV junket, when I, I got to see the movie in 143, and it, when you would punch to those dreams in 143, it was it was absolutely incredible just to watch that expand and the light and the way the screen would hit. 
But I found that interesting because I wanted to make a comparison to you as a filmmaker and the visions that you have for your movies before you make them. Because as he's having these visions and some of them are coming to life and he's actually living them out or, or they change in a way, um, I find that to be interesting as Paul kind of becomes close to those visions. So as a filmmaker, as you're in the production process or pre-production process or writing process, can you compare at all visions that you have of your movies and then kind of being on the set and it becoming how you actually realize? I'm just curious if that translates for you as a filmmaker. It's it's an interesting question. It's it's a, um, in fact it's it's a, an, an interesting perspective on my work because it's uh, uh, I would say the the goal is to try to bring as much as possible what uh, the vision I have in mind to reality, and sometimes it there's some specific scene in both movies that are very close to the early dream I had as a kid or. Uh, things I, I when I wrote and and, and when it's the, the proximity of it, when it's very close to to the visions it's it's um, very rewarding and and brings a lot of joy um, and it's true that sometimes the, due to certain circumstances or uh, the choices that I make as I'm directing things go and, and deviate a little bit for the best but still are different from the early vision and that's it's always something that I have to die just for a long period of time mm. but uh, um, it's um, yeah the goal is to try to the, the more I'm evolving as a filmmaker the more I'm making movies the the, the, the more I get closer to the vision each, mm. each time that's cool. I think it's the, best, it's the same for everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I, I wanted to talk to you about something offbeat and, and just take a swing at this, uh, because currently Ryan Gosling, who you worked with on Blade Runner 2049, is up for an Oscar for a role that's so completely different than the part that you worked on, which is Ken in Barbie. And we're learning now that he's theoretically going to sing I am, I'm Just Ken at the Oscars. And, you know, I think it reminds people about Ryan's range. And I wanted to, A, get your opinion if you've even seen the performance, and B, just talk about him as a performer based on what you know from experience, uh, and then to see him take a 180 or 360 even and, and go in such a different direction like this. I love when actors do that. I love when they, they are taking risk. And, and uh, honestly, Ryan is a comical genius. He has really, I don't remember, nice guys, the, 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 yeah. the, the bathroom yeah. scene. Brilliant. It's, yeah. it's, it's, he has like an incredible sense of timing. And, and it's someone that uh, actually, I remember uh, when we were doing Blade Runner, which is a little bit far away from any comedy, but uh, as we were rehearsing, I remember all... All the 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 oh he was very often making jokes or or playing with Harrison Ford and it, it, it was cracking me all the time. He's really someone that has an incredible sense of humor, mm -hmm. and and uh, can uh, has that kind of a bit like a Peter Sellers, you know, like someone yeah. who knows how to create visual gags that uh, will be cinematic and 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 uh, uh, surprising. And uh, it's like uh, I'm not surprised that uh, uh, he did uh, Ken. I thought I was very excited uh, uh, by the. The idea of seeing him uh, in uh, in plastic. <laughs> it was, it was, I think I think he, I think he did a fantastic job, and I think that uh, uh, yeah, it's it's I think Greta did a, 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 a fantastic uh, job. I, I mean, if you had put in front of me a doll, a Barbie, and you had said to me, "Make a feature film out of this," I would have. Frozen. I mean, it's like it's it's what they, they, these guys did. It, it's 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 really. Uh, I'm very in awe of what Greta was able. 
to uh, to do with a plastic doll. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it is. And Rodrigo Prieto, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 um, yeah Denis, I, I went and saw a Dune Part Two for a second time uh, last night. Um, not just because I wanted to see it again, but uh, I wanted to bring my girlfriend because what I always often say is my love language with her is showing her movies that I care deeply about that I love. Um, that being said, I have never brought myself to show her Arrival or Prisoners because she has an eight-year-old daughter and she can't mm. really handle films uh, that show harm to children. And I was just wondering about that. That's a long, fancy way of asking about the emotional impact that your films have on people. And do you have people in your own life that you can't show some of your own movies to because of the impact that they have on them? Man, uh, it, it took a while before I showed some of my movies to, to my kids. Now they are grown up, but uh, of course, uh, I am aware that uh, the, there's a lot of movies that I've made that are rated R and uh, for violence or, or very serious uh, uh, psychological uh, uh, matter. It's it's it's. Um, um, I love movies that are dealing with uh, uh, difficult topics, and and uh, I'm aware that. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, I will answer this, I, I, making Dune, it was a way for me to um, go back and, and uh, let's say, work in a zone that I had never worked before, which is uh, trying to make movies for a younger audience. Not mm. uh, um, not sacrificing this, I'm talking about violence, um, mm. trying to make, to make a movie for adults, but that could be seen to a, by a younger audience, uh, uh, making sure that uh, the violence and the images will be cinematic and impressive, but not too much for a, a young public. And that's for me, it was a, a, an, an exercise that was very uh, stimulating. Interesting. I still hear the whistle from prisoners. I still hear it, it, it literally echoes in my head. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you this because I, I love the friendship that you and Christopher Nolan have. And I, and I saw that screening that you both did together when you're both doing the interview. And Christopher Nolan has talked a very, very highly of Dune Part Two. And it's been amazing just to watch your friendship because you're two of the greatest filmmakers of our time. I'm just curious when each of you finishes a movie at this point in your friendship, how you show each other your films. Like when he finished Oppenheimer and you finished Dune, do you sit to watch them together at all? Uh, uh, I would say this. First of all, uh, uh, I would be careful. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm developing a, a friendship with Chris. I'm not uh, among his uh, great friends. I, he knows a lot of people, uh, so I would not want to uh, <laughs> uh, take a position that I, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not mine. But yes, it's true that we are becoming friends. And uh, it's true that uh, uh Chris showed me Oppenheimer. Uh, he, he was like seeing one of the first, I think, IMAX IMAX print, and and uh, he brought he brought a couple of friends, and I was among them, and and uh, it was like a privilege for me to watch Oppenheimer before everybody else, and uh, and I did the same with the uh, once uh, uh, part two was finished, uh, I showed him uh, uh, the movie before uh, everybody, but it's 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 uh, uh, the beginning of a, of, of a friendship, I will say. Uh, my admiration for this filmmaker is, uh, I think I, I publicly uh, said how much I admire him. He's yeah. someone that operates in a range, uh, in a stratosphere somewhere above everybody. So it's a, <laughs> it's a reason. Uh, yeah, yeah, always have those very uh, tricky um, subject matter that he can bring in an in a incredible cinematic way. I'm, I'm uh, always, I'm, for me, there's a, it's a, every, uh, each of his movies, a cinematic lesson. And I, I, um, 
I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm one of his uh, big fans, of course. We feel that about you, though. Like, do you, you know that people feel that about your movies, right? You know there's, there's audiences who feel the way you do about Christopher Nolan. Like, that's how people feel about when they see Dune and your films. Is that, is that crazy yeah. to you? Like, is that amazing to yeah. you? The thing, Kevin, is that um, the problem is that when you're a filmmaker, you know where where are <laughs> you know where you you succeeded and you know where you failed and and uh, you were always in a relationship with uh, what you need to improve. That's that's what give you fuel to make another movie to go back behind the camera. One of the reasons is that you know that you can do better. Although I'd say it's 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 a deep. Um, so uh, uh, I don't, uh, yeah, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. We'll say it for you. We'll say it for yes. you. We got you. Uh, yeah. All right. I would like you to uh, open up a little bit more about your collaboration with another genius, and that's Hans Zimmer, um, and, and putting mm. his music to your visuals. Um, it, it, having had it on the first film, uh, expanding on a lot of the themes that go into the second film, Kevin asks this a lot. I think it's always a great question. What is it like when you see your imagery finally put to the music that Hans comes up with uh, for, for something like Doom Part 2? I never use music uh, in a way. I do use music in both Doom movies uh, before. I was trying to use more music as, as sparsely as possible, as less as possible. Music is a very powerful and it absolutely uh, change your perception of an image or, or um, and it's a bring is a tremendous amount of energy. And uh, um, I'm always trying to keep music and uh, as a last resort or, or something. And, and, and with, but for Dune, because of the nature of the book and the complexity of the book, uh, um, I feel that it was important to work with a composer that will help me to bring the, all the, under uh, uh, current or the the that helped me with the teams and helped me to create the sensation of uh, of uh, wonder and also the the idea of uh, of uh, sacred the, the, the idea that that uh, the religious feeling of the movie will be, be conveyed by the music and and it's because it's a, it's a, those are things that are not palpable and to elevate them and make them more powerful and and as a uh, that they, they just don't, don't just become ideas but powerful emotions on screen and uh, mm. Hans was of course uh, 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 the f he's a massive fan of the book and he's the first artist I I brought in, in, in and uh, he. Um, what he did for the first movie, uh, I was in awe. And but when we came back, I said to him that uh, uh, I was wishing to the music to be in the same DNA, the same uh, uh, aesthetic, but that we should bring a lot of new score, and, uh, like a, almost like a new uh, a new uh, soundtrack. And like um, mm -hmm. and and he went for it, and specifically because there was like uh, we were going deeper to the Arcanan culture. Uh, deeper into the Fremen culture, there was like uh, something that was essential for me was a, a theme that will be about the relationship between Paul and Shani, and and uh, uh, what Shani brings to Paul and 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 uh, uh, the perspective she brings to Paul regarding her, her own planet. And it's Hans did a tremendous, and it's by by far my favorite score ever. Mm. Uh, it's a score that uh, uh, I will say. In June part one and part two, the music is very important. And uh, yeah, yeah. 
very important. And I don't, I never, I, I lose, use the word genius very, um, I try to avoid to use that word as much as possible, but Hans Zimmer is definitely has some genius, definitely yes. like uh, yes, 100%. someone that, uh, uh, no question. Yeah, it's, he's a force. It's very really a force. Yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Um, Denis, we'll get you out of here on this one because we know you have a heart out. Um, you have such an incredible ensemble cast in both part one and part two that unfortunately that means that obviously there were a lot of great actors we got to spend time with in part one that are not in part two. Uh, I am going to ask you a question uh, without any context to it and you interpret it however you want to, um, but it is very much meant to be a loaded question. When was the last time you talked to Jason Momoa? Funny <laughs> <laughs> enough, I talk with Jason very often. <laughs> He's a friend of mine, and and uh, uh, I'm still waiting for the bottle of vodka that he was supposed to send me at Christmas. But the, the, <laughs> no, uh, uh, no, Jason and I, we uh, uh, there was like a, a beautiful friendship that uh, came out of of, uh, of uh, part one, and uh, uh, Jason is uh, uh, very excited about the prospect of going back on Arrakis. And uh, uh, yeah, it's uh, but that is a spoiler. But the book has been released since uh, fifty-five years or sixty years. So I mean, it's. <laughs> I'm just. I'm going to leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, ride please. motorcycles with with Batista with uh, Momoa and Brolin? Have they gotten you on a motorcycle yet? <laughs> no, no. But the, if you speak to Josh Brolin about uh, uh, Jason, and uh, they they have a lot of great stories. Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, you young pup is one of the best lines in the yes. movie. Well, 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 congratulations <laughs> to you. Uh, we really yeah. want to say thank you for having uh, for coming on our show. It means so much to us. And this this show was designed for filmmakers to come on and talk about their work and their process. And our listeners just love hearing that process. So thank you so much for being a part of our show and the, for the 300th episode. It's a, really an honor to have you. Yeah, yeah, it was an honor for me to be uh, with you, John uh, Simon, for this uh, this number of episodes. And and uh, yeah, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me. Take care. <laughs> We need to thank our amazing friends at Warner Brothers who pushed very hard to get Denis Villeneuve uh, who on Who always our push show. on our behalf. They really do. And this one in particular, just to give some some quick, quick backside. If you follow us at all, you know that the Dune junket happened a long time. It was like a month ago. And then Denis has been on a global press tour since then. And um, we couldn't make it work at the junket when we were all together. Um, and, and we've just been trying to find a pocket, you know, and, and Warner Brothers was really fantastic in helping us secure that time with Denis, who is very, very much in demand for a film oh, that yeah. I think is going to be a topic of conversation for uh, for the year, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. I mean, I, I see no scenario where this is not contending in Best Picture and countless other uh, Oscar categories. So really, really thrilled to have him on. We're going to do a quick spoiler free review of dune we're gonna have plenty of time over the course of the next few weeks to discuss it in depth obviously we want everybody to have a chance to see it before we start to dissect it um and i want to kick off because i'm i'm super jealous of of jake because he's been able to see it twice and i am dying to see it a second time because my gut reaction coming out of it and and by no means do i i want to say that this is a slight on the film in any way shape or form is that if i were to compare the two dune part one and dune part two i preferred the first one which to me just felt a little bit more streamlined um and and 
a little more focused because there's so much going on in part two. Um, I I have a feeling that opinion is going to change after a second viewing. Um, and Jake, one of the things you were even saying to me after seeing it a second time is that you caught a lot more stuff that maybe sure. you didn't absorb the first time through. It's just it's a lot of movie. It's it's a lot of movie. And also, you know, too, you know, you're so overwhelmed with so much that's that's going on because, you know, they it's it's an accurate comparison when they talk about, you know, part one being the appetizer and part two being the entree. That is 100 percent accurate. But also, yeah. too, I would like to point out that the first time we often all see movies we're also seeing them through the context of interview preparation. So mm-hmm. it's not to say that we can't enjoy these things because we obviously do, but there's a huge part of my mind that is sort of separated and watching the film through the prism of, okay, how does, what, what did that moment, what, how could that yield a question? So mm-hmm. one of the, one of the main reasons I really do love to go back and see a movie a second time, particularly a movie I love as much as this one is to just be able to kick back and enjoy it without any other distractions of work or, or thought. Uh, I can just sort of, you know, fully immerse myself as opposed to 75% of the way. That one in particular too, sure. because we knew we were getting the full cast. Um, and you want that one to go well. That's one of the circle where you're putting extra weight behind yeah. it. There was no um, waste. I think we got six different interview rooms and every room was quite usable. And, and quite frankly, not to be uh, you know dismissive of other junkets. Sometimes you do a junket and if there's five or six rooms, sometimes you look at it and go, ah, I'm probably going to use that one, that one and that one. And the other three, I'm probably not ever going to all the rooms of Dune are usable A-listers that you you, you, you kind of needed to to score at all six at bats. And here's <clears throat> here's my comparison between the two that I think will let people know what they're in store for if they haven't seen Dune Part 2 yet. To me, it felt a little bit like Dune was a trial balloon that Denise sent out there to almost say to the audience, like, are you willing to follow me down this path? How heavy sci-fi can I go, right? Because he's coming off of Blade Runner 2049, which we all love, but the audiences didn't necessarily tune in for. And because the first Dune was so well received, I feel like he went heavier into the science fiction in Dune Part 2, which is great. You know, I really appreciate that, but it's it's so much more of a meal to chew on. There are huge political and religious allegories that I felt like I just skimmed the surface of that. I know all the material is there. I just can't wait for for more time to 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 dig into it. So um, so it, it, to me, if the first one is in my mind, a perfect five out of five, this one is like a four point eight five that has the ability sure. to go up to uh, a five once I get a chance to sort of see it again a second time. Kev, where are you at with it? I'm with you 100 percent. I I um I've only seen the film once. And I, I don't know, for me, when I watch films, I, I, I there's two things that are happening in my mind, like kind of Jake was saying. But I, I I I can, at least in my head, when I'm watching the film, I'm able to separate the interview and, and the and the and the critical review of the film in that moment. So like, and like my particular viewing of that film was was critical. But obviously I was thinking about the interviews as well. So I understand what Jake is saying about like the secondary viewing and kind of like 
not having to worry about the questions you're asking or thinking about things like that. So um, for me, I, I think the first film, I prefer the first film because I, I found the first film to be a bit more confident in its storytelling. Um, now, again, the second movie is a lot. There's a lot going on. I have not read the books. Um, there were moments that where things happened that were that book readers will recognize right away that maybe a viewer who has not read the book We'll take a second or two. Like, it's almost like the 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 I, the idea of like having to read the book and go to the glossary section when you're reading it for Dune. Um, mm-hmm. You don't have the ability to do that during a movie. You can't check the glossary section of a film. Um, so there was a lot of moments that I, I felt did go over my head. Um, that doesn't mean the film is critically uh, lesser than. Um, I just think the material is so dense that there's so much to take in. Now, I will say this. I watched I rewatched the first Dune um, a couple days before seeing the new one because I wanted to have kind of an A to B concept of how that played out. Um, I what I love about the first movie so much that I felt was there was like to me, the Duncan Idaho character that Jason Momoa plays in the first one. There's such a heart to that character and that relationship between him and Paul. Um, mm-hmm. I I really and I think the Brolin character this time was that character a little bit in the first one, but is now kind of taken over that um, that like you know mentorship that like uh, protection yeah. aspect of things. I also really missed Oscar Isaac. Um, I think there's Dude, a exactly you nailed both. I miss both of those yeah. characters. Dude, the 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 my favorite scene in the entire Dune franchise that I've seen so far is when. Paul and his father are walking by the by by the water um, over Mm. the cliffs and they're just having a conversation about how Paul doesn't think that, you know, what if I'm not the one or what if I'm not what we need for the family? And there's a way that Oscar plays that scene that is just brilliant. I also think Oscar's death scene in the first one is one of the most remarkable and memorable death scenes I've seen in a film. The way that was shot, the way he's leaning back, the bite of the thing. The reason why I'm so focused on doing one is because I I'm so heavily remembering those scenes. Those scenes were huge for me. There are moments in Dune 2 that I that I will have equal feelings for. Like there's a great scene with Austin Butler and Timothy Chalamet, which is the knife fight, which you've seen in the trailers and not spoiling anything. Um, I thought the Javier Bardem character on this in the second one, I thought the comic relief was a little too much for me. But again, I again, I need to see it a second time so I can kind of like consume it all. I also thought Christopher Walken took me out of the movie a little bit. Um, I, I just think that Walken is such a presence and he's so famous and his voice is so big and he, and, and he's so Christopher Walken that I, I was reminded that I was watching Christopher Walken, I guess is what I would like to say. Like when I watch Pulp Fiction, because of like the satirical, like crazy nature of that film was satirical, maybe the wrong word, but that movie is just has a tone to it where I just buy into the wacky character that he's playing. It's Christopher Walken, but it's not Christopher Walken kind of thing. Um, mm. Him as the emperor, I would like to have seen a, a no name or a lesser name in that role because like Stellan Skarsgård is so perfect for the Baron because he's not that famous and he can disappear. And obviously he has all that makeup and prosthetics on. So it's a little different than the, um, the walk-in situation. Um, you know, it's posi- fascinating just because with, with Dave Batista, just in, when yeah. he shows up in Blade Runner, I have a really hard time not thinking like, Oh, there's Dave Batista. Yeah. But when Batista is in Dune, he right. disappears into the Harkonnen makeup completely. completely. Yeah. It's weird. I don't, I, I'm with you on that. 
I will disagree, though. I think the opening of Blade Runner, the little tiny glasses that that he puts on in that scene. I just love that character so much. Uh, um, I, I, I want to get to the positives because the, the reason I started with more on the, on the negative side is because there's so much to say about this movie on a positive note. That sure. I just wanted to get the, the little things out of the way because I'm with Sean. I'm like a four point eight, eight, five out of five. And the first one's a five out of five for me um, on the positive note. And then we'll get to Jake. Greg Fraser cinematography. Uh, this is Every single shot in this film is is incredible. Like I've never seen anything like that on this scale that looks like this. Zimmer's score is brilliant. Chalamet leads this film, but I got to give a credit to Zendaya. Zendaya's performance is brilliant. Like she's really uh, an emotional aspect of this film, and I didn't I didn't know where this character was going. So I had a, I, this is all new to me, and I was blown away by that. Austin Butler's performance is incredible the cinematography him get all the recognition that he's been me getting. too and the black yeah. and white aspect of the cinematography and everything florence Pugh's great um there is so much greatness in this film and i'm just happy that it exists it's 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 an exhilarating film it's a dense film it's a physical film um i do recommend seeing it in imax i will say this for for our listeners out there who are all around the country or the world um there is two different IMAX versions of this film. If you go to your standard AMC, you'll get the 190. But if you could find the 143, which is where, like I talk about with Christopher Nolan and Oppenheimer, New York, particularly AMC, Lincoln Square, L.A., Universal City Walk, you're going to get a jump from the 190 to the 143. And it's supposed to be ridiculously incredible. And they struck some 70 millimeter IMAX prints for this. So listen, this is a great movie. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um I still prefer one, but this is only on one viewing. Um, so at the moment, I'm that's where I'm at. I just miss Oscar Isaac and, and Jason Momoa. Those characters to me had a heart and a thread that I felt wasn't as as prominent here. But Brolin's character really kind of brings that home. And Brolin is incredible. You young pup is my favorite line in the whole the whole film. It's great. Interesting. Uh, so, Jake, you have had the benefit of then seeing it the second yes. time. Did, did it did it change a good deal? Uh, all it all it did was solidify how I already felt, which whenever we walked out of uh, the first screening seat in a month ago, uh, to me, I prefer part two over part one. Um, to me, part two is as someone who read the book, this to me, this part of the story, the, the the themes that are presented here, that's what Dune is. And and I you look like you're talking to someone who and I think Kevin did as well. And I know it was I think it was pretty high on Sean's Dune part one was number one on yeah, my top ten list that year. So, yeah. you know, we're at, at this point, we're all splitting hairs. But like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I that was my number one. And it was what I felt was the building would blocks. The, would you say the difference between the two is like a, a grain of spice? There's sand. It's, it's <laughs> just a couple of just everything. You know, I, I was hoping for more of a spicy take from Kevin. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but I mean, everything about this for there was a moment. Uh, very early in of the film, and we're talking maybe, you know, 60 seconds into the movie, uh, that is a huge wide shot, almost Lawrence of Arabia like, mm. uh, that features uh, a collection of characters just floating up a mountainside. And oh. I just looked at Sean and just went, my God. Like this, yeah. this is one of those moments where, you know, you there, you know, we see we see movies every single day and we're lucky to, to have the sort of theatrical experiences that we've had. But that is a I, re, I remember where I was when I saw The Dark Knight for the first time. And I will forever remember my Dune Part Two theatrical experience. It was just such an immersive, tangible experience. You know, him shooting on location very much like George Lucas shooting in Tunisia for for episode four for the original Star Wars. Like you there is a timelessness 
realness that comes with the way he shot this movie. This movie will be as incredible to us in 30 years as it was seeing it in 2024. Like this movie will not age. Uh, In fact, it will probably only get better. And what I love most about this movie is how complicated it is. You know, we we talk a lot about uh, the fact that Dune was one of the the inspirations for George Lucas to sit down and put pen to paper and write Star Wars. But Star Wars um, dove very heavily into archetypes, you know, the the very, very, you know, black and white, you know, everything, everything good and evil, everything was was quantified. Everything had 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 a place and. Dune is is a lot more of a of a gray area, you know. This for for what is such a big, massive blockbuster, there aren't a lot of easy answers, and it's you know these characters are complicated, and very few of them really sit on one side of good or evil. And I just think in in a day and age where so many movies are spoon feeding us plot points uh, and and are or sometimes glorified trailers for the next movie uh, propped up in front of a green screen or a blue screen shot in Atlanta, uh, you know, to, to have it's a extremely compli- specific. Look, I'm just throwing out. I'm just throwing out generics <laughs> rhymes with Binewood yeah, videos yeah. <laughs> to be given, you know, uh, this this incredibly complicated, layered unbelievably beautifully shot blockbuster uh i mean it's it's everything that i wanted dune to be you know i when when dune wrapped up when dune part one wrapped up i remember thinking okay like that was unbelievable i'm in awe like i bow and 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 kiss the ring uh, of denis villeneuve but dune part two is is what i'm waiting for that's dune part two is why i love dune and that for me that this movie delivered everything that i i needed it, it, it stuck the landing. I, I needed it to stick the like that. You know, it's when you're on a plane, it's great when the takeoff goes well, but I need you to land that plane safely. <laughs> but yeah. now is it doing Messiah sticking the landing? Does Messiah have to conclude it or? Well, you know, and we As were talking about this earlier, Gabe, you want to get, he, he talked, you know, uh, uh, and Denise talked about it in the interview as well. Dune, I, I, I'm going to be honest, I don't know as much about, about Dune Messiah, but Dune Messiah came out of uh, necessity for people not truly understanding that, you know, for, you know, the, the complications that come with Paul Atreides, you know, without, without yeah. getting too much into it, a lot of people draw parallels between Paul Atreides and Luke Skywalker when that's not accurate. I think it's far more accurate yeah. to compare him to an Anakin Skywalker. I hmm. haven't, I haven't, I haven't read Dune Messiah. I want to now. I never really felt inspired to just because I loved Dune. And then I know that it gets kind of weird after that. And I, I kind of never went back. Um, but yes, he mentions he mentions in the interview about why Messiah was written. And I haven't seen this movie yet. I didn't get to see it early. Um, and so hopefully in the coming Loser. weeks, I'm seeing it Thursday. I'm seeing it with uh, the general public. Uh, you will have seen it by the time people are watching this. Yes, but I can't tell you now what I think of it or sort of have that information. But um, hasn't I'm curious yet. to see. I'm curious to see how much because as he mentioned, he has Messiah in his mind of as far as like mm. what he was trying to say with the book. And it sounds yeah, yeah. like. That's what the stripping down and sort of uh, his point of focus was really trying to nail home that this is a cautionary tale, not an inspiring uh, tale of a, a, you know, a hero or whatever. The the Luke Skywalker sort of comparison that that people were making. So Mm -hmm. I think if he did that, to your point, Sean, Mm -hmm. then I'm curious how much when I get to see it, how much Messiah needs to exist if that's all Messiah gives us. But I don't have enough Mm -hmm. information to say. I um one thing I also want to say one of the things I loved about the first Dune um I think 
I think what's happening in, in part two is they is the assumption that you're already in the world. Right. Mm, so sure. I think what I loved about the first one was that was the wonderment and the ex- exploration. Like when they go up in the ornithopter with like Oscar Isaac and everybody and they're and they're take and they're going to see the worm for the first time. And it's like taking mm-hmm. down that 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 spice vehicle or whatever that mm-hmm. is. I'm sorry. Forgive my harvester. Uh, I think it's like a spice yeah. harvester. Yeah. But uh, that whole sequence is so freaking intense. Do you guys also yeah. remember the scene when, when, uh, Ornithopter with uh, Rebecca Ferguson and Timothy and the, and the, and the engine shut off. Sure. They have to like fly yeah, yeah, yeah. themselves mm-hmm. in. Like there are like, I, I just, those are scenes that stick out to me. And again, I need to see the second one again, because like it was the exploration of the world in the first one that really lit you know, me up. Like it was funny. some, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Finish your point. I, well, no, I just want that was like one of the things I just kept thinking about at, was like I, I don't know. I just I loved exploring the world in that first one, and I and I think I think that's I think that's the only thing I'm kind of missing from the new one is like the exploration of it. That I reminds guess. me. Mm-hmm. It, it, I think it's almost like a taste thing. I haven't seen this movie, but but the way the way you guys are describing sure. it reminds me very much of I'm showing my partner Game of Thrones for the first time right now. Yeah. And we just got to season three. And it reminds me of television, serialized television, where we watched the first two seasons and I said, OK, now, you know, the world of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Right. Everything mm-hmm. beyond this is getting to live in it and just building on what happened. Right. And because you have the context, they go to these crazy places and it gets even better and even better. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like that's a taste thing of do you prefer to be in that, that sure. early bit where and, you're exploring <clears throat> and everything's new versus what they're able to achieve once you're once you're saturated in that world. And like to your point, 4.8 versus 5. And, and also too, part one hopped around a lot more. You know, part one, you know, they start on Caladan and then they go to, yeah. you know, they go to the planet where the Emperor's troops are and then they go, you know, to the to the Baron's planet. Uh, part two is very much on Dune. Now, it's not to say they don't, they don't pop over to other places. They do, but part one is the far majority. more, you know, it, it earns its title of Dune in part right, two. Right. I also, mm-hmm. a, a, a lot of the, um, again, going back to the exploration point, I also just liked exploring the Baron in the first one, just the different disgusting things he did, like the, the eating at the end of the table and like the, I don't know. There was just stuff about that. And what's interesting is, and to, to Gabe's point, Dune part two is essentially you're living in the world they set up, um, mm-hmm. which is great. And and I think what carries Dune two so well are the characters and, and, and the performances. But the action scenes in this one are some of the most insanely epic things you will ever see on the big screen. And if you get a chance to go to the full one, four, three and that stuff opens up during those sandworm scenes and all that stuff. I mean, watching I got to bring this up, watching Chalamet do the ride the worm. Um, is one of the most insane sequences I've seen in cinema. Like the way that was captured because they shoot it in a way where you're almost like docu style with him as he's doing everything he's doing rather than pulling out above and just kind of giving like a cool like POV shot down. They do cut out and show some of that stuff and you eventually see him riding it. But the way Greg Fraser and the way Denis developed that, like where you're kind of like, you're almost having to look through the sand. You know what I mean? Like you're like as an audience member, like the sand is rushing at you so much in the sound design. And you're kind of like, where is he? Where is he? And that's what it would look like because Timothy's character is so small compared to the size of this worm. And so, listen, th- there are shots in this film that are so jaw dropping that it's hard to even say in words what it what it is um i can't wait to see it again i and i'm with sean I, i'm curious how my second viewing will be once i've kind of just 
let everything saturate for a bit. Um, mm-hmm. I would love to see it back to back. I would love to see the full thing. Like to Gabe's point, if I could sit in the exploration and then enter the second chapter just in full in one sitting, like, like the whole binging, bloody like affair, I said, like binging TV. Yeah, yeah you just get like the, the whole next, bloody yeah. affair or something like that. It'd be cool. Oh, as hell, is this, so. I was wondering earlier, is this going to be our next debate of like, is it two movies <laughs> or one movie? Well, this I, is two I movies. Lean more toward two movies. On I mean, this he one. shot. Two yeah, movies. he shot two is, movies. This is two movies. This is two it's movies. Two. It's but, called I mean, I mean he's referring two. to it as a trilogy, and the only right. reason that works, the only way that works, uh, is if it's part one and two. Yeah, let All us right. know. I let wanna... us know your thoughts in the comments because we're we're curious. Are you know? And it's funny, like Jake said, we're splitting hairs. Sean and yeah. I are at a four four point eight. Jake's at a five. I'm assuming. So it's, it's like an, we're, it's an amazing movie. <laughs> we're like right there. It's like, yeah. I, I hate to um to to be that guy already. It's it's March first, and and I know there's a degree of like okay, calm the fuck down because our these Oscars haven't even happened. But like we've got to start talking about this seriously in terms of like Frazier for cinematography, Zimmer for score, uh, production design, mm. sound. I mean, it's Jake. We're all you're all awards prognosticators, but I'd say you have the most like in depth history of the awards and like sense for like that. Yeah. So I want to ask you specifically: Does this does the Messiah conversation set this up for uh, a sort of Lord of the Rings run? Like, like is it is it to the detriment of Part Two? I don't know. I was that's a good point because everyone keeps waiting to like you know award. I mean, one Dune won. You know, the first Dune won a lot as well. But do you think that 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 would hurt its chance if everyone's like, oh, it's going to be a trilogy and they're going to finish it? The the only thing I I can think of is remember, guys, when we were doing our draft for this year and we were sort of complaining at like, look, there there are always great movies that fly below Mm -hmm. our radar that maybe we aren't even aware are going to exist Mm -hmm. for the next eight months. But in drafting this year, I was kind of taken aback at how few like uh, prestige pictures we were getting from some of our big directors. So I really think in terms of its Oscar chances, one of the best things that could happen to it is that we didn't get that Dune part two versus Oppenheimer showdown. Sure. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and so the fact that Dune part two was pushed to a year that uh, you know, aside from what, what could be some fun blockbusters might be a little bit on the weaker side, especially coming off of a year that I would say is one of the best movie years we've had since what, 2007. Um, I, I thought 2023 was just a f- un- unbelievable year for movies. Um, so it's, it's hard to say. It's also all, you know, just about the competition too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens. While you guys were, uh, giving your takes on, on Dune part two, I went back and looked to see where it fell on my top 10 of 2021. Was it four? This is fairly entertaining. Oh, no. Uh, it landed at number six for me. What? Ooh. What was above it? Well, that's what I'm going to read to you right oh, now. No. Let's go ahead and do that. I think, this I think gives, it was number one for me, right? I think yeah, it was. I, I, I thought think it was Kevin's number one. That was my number yeah, one as well. I'm pretty sure. Six. I, I went with six. Let's just Ooh, get the, uh, one of the five above it. Let's just. Oh. Number five. Coda. Which one best picture that? Okay. I still like I Coda. I love Coda. I love Coda, yeah, but it's not. But it's, it's not, not an egregious pick. It's a, it's sure. a great It's movie. a good pick. It's, it's, a, it's not Madam yeah. Web. All right. right. Coda, Coda is great. Coda is great. Number four. The Father. Anthony Hopkins. Okay. Great movie. Great movie. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Probably one of the. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. God, no, please. I, no, I, need, I, just, I need your validation. Here. <laughs> that was <laughs> no. That movie. That movie brought a level of immersion to sure. a subject that I never uh, that I that I never understood before. And I thought Hopkins was brilliant. That's a yeah. That's a great film. 
grateful. Number three is where we start to figure out how the awards race affects our opinions, because at number three, I have Kenneth Branagh's Belfast. Belfast. You okay? You did love that. You movie. loved Belfast when it came. I was the last one in Roblin to see that, and I and it's on my top ten. I think it's like number six or seven on my top ten for that year. But I, Sean, I remember you being enamored. Don't I mean like? Wait, yeah, again, we, I always, we have to remember they're snapshots of a moment. Yeah, and they are. Okay, so two and one, I'm going to argue would still be above Dune any year. Two, I have Tick Tick Boom, mm-hmm. which is phenomenal. That. Yeah, you did love that. And number one is Spider Man No Way Home. Right. So maybe not yeah, terrible, that's but that's, that's how hard. Dune ends up at six. <laughs> there you go. It's not a bad list. I mean, no, that's a good that, year. That sounds it's like a correct list, but it's not a bad <laughs> list. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's throw it to a break and then celebrate ourselves on the other side. And we are back. All right. So we're going to take a few minutes to celebrate uh, the milestone that is episode 300. And it's really funny. Early on when we first started this show. What did it start uh, at, Sean? Well, it was an award show to start off as. I used to um, rapidly check the reviews that were posted to places like uh, Apple Podcasts and things like that. Um, or if people were nice enough to to write us a review. And I I stopped over time uh, paying attention to them. Um, but I as we approached 300, I wanted to go back over and, and look over some of the lists. Oh, no. And I realized we had some new ones written yeah. in there. No, I've seen some of the new ones. <laughs> Have you oh, seen no. some of the new ones? <laughs> yeah, one yeah. guy in particular was like... Um, enough is enough or something like that and he's like <laughs> that was Kevin's mom he's like yeah. uh I li- I'm a longtime listener and I just can't listen to to you three talk about how uh every interview that you've done is the greatest in the world and every movie that you've seen is amazing and yeah so God that forbid guy people out. who do a movie podcast love movies <laughs> so I if you don't want to hear us gush like that guy <laughs> You yeah. could probably I hope he's still here. I hope he's still here. And he's like, you know what? I had a bad day. He writes back in. He's like, I had a bad oh, day. I'm still here. I still hang he's, out. He's it's gay, Denny. I, I guarantee that dude's here. He's he is <laughs> hate listening to this on a on a weekly basis. Oh, hey, I'll so, take hate engagement, you know. We are gonna <laughs> hate engagement. <laughs> <laughs> um Jakey, why don't you why don't you so quick origin story of the Roblox podcast? Um Quick. We were we were tasked with uh, coming up with podcast ideas uh, at Cinema Blend, and I came up with the idea of a couple of movie friends uh, turning on the microphones and just BSing about movies with no real structure whatsoever. Um, and the first person that I approached was Jake Hamilton, ran into Jake in Orlando at Star Wars Celebration uh, and asked him if he would be interested in that. A week later, ran into Kevin at a junket in New York. Uh, Kevin was getting Spielberg for, I believe it was the post mm. and, uh, I remember. and pitched him on the idea as well too. Kev talks a lot about how he still has the email. Uh, Jakey, do. give me your, give me your overall take of, of where we were then to where you think we are now. Yeah. Well, I remember being in a very uh, specific, unique position in life that I don't know if, if people realize happened to me, but um, I started doing junkets uh, whenever I was a kid in, in Houston. Um, and then whenever I got offered this job, uh, my first full-time job ever to work in news in Chicago, um, one of the stipulations by the guy who was bringing me here was like, Hey man, like you've been, you've been doing junkets for, 
a long time. Like when I bring you here, I'm not really going to need you to do those anymore. So you kind of have to accept the fact that like you're, you know, you're, you're going to be doing other things. And, I, and at that time I'd been talking to Kevin, Kevin and I had been having some long talks about, you know, I was starting to feel like, ah, oh, maybe I've, maybe I've, I've gotten everyone I, I needed to get little. Did I know all the people I hadn't even hadn't, hadn't gotten yet. But that's a long way of saying that when that whenever I moved to Chicago, there was about a four year period where I wasn't doing junkets anymore. And I would, which meant I wasn't doing the, the, the interviews. I, I wasn't seeing Sean and Kevin and, 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 you know, the, the other people, um, like I was, and I'd kind of had started building this new life in Chicago. That was kind of away from this world in a lot of ways. I was, I was a little bit more, uh, in the world of journalism and hadn't really dipped my toe back into that. In fact, whenever I ran into Sean at star Wars celebration, I was there as a fan. I was there yeah. uh, on a trip with my buddies uh, and we made a we made a, a weekend out of it. And it was just by pure happenstance that I ran into someone from Disney that was like, what are you what are you waiting in line for with everybody else? You should be, you know, and you you and your buddies here, take take these press passes, get get you know, better seats. And only because of that one run in. Did I then bump into Sean, who is in the press section? You think about it, Sean. I never would have run into you had it not right. been this a friend of ours from Disney who I bumped it. You know, I'm a big believer of like the butterfly effect, how one little thing can, you know, end up sort of circling this chaos theory, big as Jeff Goldblum fan? calls it. Big yeah, fan. big, big kutcher. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> you know, and so for me, the, the initial appeal. Uh, we we often talk about you know creating this this show and yes I know the joke is started as as an uh, awards podcast but it was never uh, with the dream of doing these interviews it was never you know with aspirations of ending up in Quentin Tarantino's house for me one of the biggest thing to hope for. yeah exactly the 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 appeal was always oh, I get to reconnect with some friends that I haven't connected with in a long time. You know, I, I haven't really gotten to see these guys. I miss these guys. I, I, I miss that world. And, you know, I, it, it, for four years out of almost 20 years of doing junk, it doesn't sound like a long time to, to step away from it. But at, at, whenever you think that that's it, whenever you think that that's, you know, obviously I ended up getting a new boss who, who found value in entertainment coverage, who wanted me to get back into it and, and the rest is history. But for me, the value has always been logging on every week and connecting with you guys and shooting the shit and talking about movies and, and having sort of these, these conversations. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. 300 episodes later and all the milestones that you named Sean and, and, and the, the, moments of of tom hanks talking with us about road to perdition and and the you know the times where hans zimmer called us his show friends and 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 my dogs you know how many times my dogs interrupted us in the background it's nothing's changed for me the appeal is still (laughs) logging on and and shooting the shit with you guys like if the the way i look at it is if if something happened and uh, a blanket fell over the world of junkets and they said hey we're no longer going to include podcast and hey guys it was a good run but like real blend can't do interviews anymore i'd go all right well back back to back to the beginning but it wouldn't (laughs) it wouldn't stop the reason that i log on to this show every single day so that's that's kind of what what makes me happy is that uh the 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 shiny flashy side of this has always been a bonus but the core reason of why i agreed to do this in the first place is the exact same reason that what six years and 300 episodes later i still hit log on every single day 
Yeah. Yeah. 90, 95% of what we do is the actual show of just us talking about movies. Mm-hmm. Like the interviews are they're They're a big part of like how we tease our show. And obviously getting these bigger names is, is brings more people over to us. And that's the whole, I mean, it's pretty obvious, right? Like, you, you know, if you book a big name on your show, people who are fans of that person will come to your show and hopefully listen and want to stay and continue listening. And I think I, we were doing our Denis Villeneuve interview today, and it, like I, as I was saying this to him, it just made me so proud. I was like, "We created this show for people to listen to how you work, how you make movies. That's mm-hmm. the whole reason we did this. I mean, initially the awards aspect of it, of course, but still but, talk in that manner, right? Sure. But yeah. talk, but but just at least giving insight to the process. And I said mm-hmm. this before on the show, but when I first started in 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 any type of entertainment, I was in radio. And I had a radio show on CBS radios Friday nights from seven to 10. And then it was on Sundays sometimes as well. And the whole show was dedicated to filmmakers, composers, director of photographies, directors. I had Zimmer on for Inception. I had Wally Pfister on for Inception. You know, it, it was like this. That was the show that I wanted, but I was by myself. So there was really no like, I mean, I, I, a buddy of mine would come in and help and sometimes he would co-host with me. But overall, I, it was me. And I never really kind of had a uh, in my for me to celebrate like these big moments or, or, or uh, just to kind of have a just a conversation about movies with like with my buddies. But also what's special about what we do is that Sean, Jake and I and Gabe, we're all we all do the same thing for a living, essentially. Um, and what I mean by that is like there, there's a certain understanding that comes with what we do for a living. It's a very weird job. If you actually think about what we actually do, it's very strange, like to be, you know, to fly to a different country or a different part of the world to sit down with these filmmakers. I remember my mom, when I first started doing this for years, she's like, why, why aren't you worried about getting paid? I'm like, mom, I would pay thousands of dollars just to sit in a room with Steven Spielberg. And, and honestly, and a lot of people sure. just do not uh, Spielberg. Just, not, just but like, think, of, think of like these conventions, people right. that pay hundreds of dollars to have a four second moment to get a picture right. with these people. And we get conversations. Right. And that's what I was trying. Like today when we were talking to Denis, like it, it, it's, it's so beautifully fitting that he was our guest for 300 um, because that's the show. That's the show right there. It, it, it's having a filmmaker come on here and 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 give insight but again the show is also us and and our collective uh ideas of what we think of movies we all bring different things to the table what's weird about our show and you guys know this we'll be in the middle of an interview and then we just click there's Mm -hmm. just a connection of a wave that you can't teach to anybody um it's hard to it's hard to make an explanation like when we're sitting down with tom hanks for elvis and we're all just vibing and there's no like I'm stepping on the, his toes or J- Jake stepping on mine or Sean, whatever. We're all in it. And it's like a, it's a moving machine. And there's just pieces that like are 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 just going together. And it's, you can't explain it like because we're all coming at it from different perspectives. Sean's from a father perspective. We all have different perspectives on how we view movies. Yep. For some reason, it just works. Mm-hmm. And like we we will walk out of an interview that we just didn't go. Like, remember, do you guys remember the moment we left Nolan for Oppenheimer? Do you remember that feeling mm-hmm. that we had? Yeah. Do you guys remember yep. that? Yeah. For me, it was um, for me, it was our first uh, Tarantino. Those those the Tarantino. That was, that and was the, wild. Yeah. And Tarantino the Nolan. Was wild. Yeah. Those are very special moments. So I just got to say, like, this was a show that I always dreamed of doing. 
but it, it's it's far exceeded the dreams that I had because I get to do it with people who are incredible at their jobs, at the highest level of their jobs, professional, ask amazing questions. We all care. Every one of us cares. That's that's the well, whole thing. We we all give a shit. That's well, really what it comes down to. And that's, that's a, why we found each other. And that's why it works. Agreed. That's a huge part of what I wanted to get into here is just that what people don't understand is that Kevin and Jake don't work for cinema. Blend. Um, mm. So for the most part, they're doing this volunteer. Essentially. Um, yeah, essentially, like they're taking time yeah. out of their schedules and have for for 300 episodes uh, to, I wouldn't change to any of it. the show yeah. together um, and they're not employees. And and people don't understand, like a lot of the hurdles that we had to jump through to make that even happen oh uh, from a perspective. Stories um, I don't think oh we can God, put on air. About the, so many I stories. Just, I forgot about all the, the logistics of without getting into it. But there's I, I mean, just, read, read, yeah. just red tape, just a lot of red, I should tape. Read yes, red tape. That's a good way of putting it. I should read Sean's original email. Just like I mean, the but, first sentences of it. But I also want to I also want to highlight that the amount of work that Gabe does for the show. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. it, can, it cannot be um, understated how much mm. work Sean because, or Kevin does behind this. Or Jesus, Gabe does behind this. <laughs> like people doesn't don't even know like, my name. I 300 started, episodes, he doesn't even know my name. <laughs> when I started this conversation by saying that, like, the concept of the show was let's just throw on the microphones and, and have three friends talk about movies like th- that show would last a, mo- a month at best and i wouldn't even figure out how to get it to into people's ears <laughs> so i i can't not single out like gabe for the wrangling and yes. i mean i'm talking yes. about going back to like when we talk about remembering things from the show like i remember we were just talking about this recently at Argyle, like Jake and I walking around to electronic shops in London to get a microphone <laughs> yeah. because I didn't bring a snowball with me, right. you know, not having headphones with us to record, you know, just equipment. The, the yeah. day of the Tarantino, Running. Oh, <laughs> the yeah. New York that, Tarantino. Dude, I don't know if people remember this. We went to a guitar center to yeah. get microphones and the guy <laughs> who was selling it to us. Didn't he perform on the Pulp Fiction soundtrack yes. or something? Yeah, was it was like and, something and, like and that. It was something. Yeah. And I'm so glad you shouted out Gabe. Cause like every single thing you hear and see on the show, like Gabe is so yes. like, guys, check your mics, check your yeah. headphones. Is everything on? Is everything working? And like, yeah. we, and we're all just oblivious to all this crap that he's talking about. And like, and, right. and, and he's a hundred percent right. Every single time we're like, dude, like I'm like Gabe, back off! But actually, no, you're not. You're wrong. You're not. You're sure. right. 100. Most of the time, most of the time, if I'm asking you for something, it's because it already went wrong. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, exactly. I was just I cutting was, the show, like cutting the show. Yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. It's like, a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And and I'm grateful that four individual people in four cities are four different schedules is very different. Look, it's it's difficult for each of us individually to make our own personal schedules work with our own full time jobs. Take yeah. that and multiply it by four. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, we're, you're, you know, they, yeah. they use the term like, you know, wrangling cats, but the, the it's a miracle is a Hollywood talent, you know, who isn't making things easy do, uh, by any stretch. I do want to take a moment. One, I'll say you guys mentioned origin stories. I still remember when I became attached to the podcast uh, at the time, we had a very small sort of video team that I still work with um, at Cinema Blend. And it was just one of our ma- sort of production meetings. And they were like, oh, we might try to do a podcast. And kind of no one seemed excited about it, but I, I was already a, a podcast fan and I threw my hand up. I was like, let me do that. I was like, don't let anyone else do that. Let me do that. 
um, because I think I know what it should be and Mm. I think I know how to do it. Um, And one, I mean, on a personal note, you guys knew each other before this, but you guys met me through this podcast. Yeah, I met, yeah. I, you know, I was working with Sean. For a while. Not, not to like be overly like dramatic or sentimental, but like it's weird to think of a time when I when you weren't in my life. It's right. weird. I, yeah, I, I just can't. kind of always assume you were always there. Yeah, even I, like Jake and I's early days. I'm like, Gabe must have been there, right? You're, yeah. He was you there. Guys are, you guys are now three <laughs> of my best friends, yeah. like brothers. That's yeah. I mean, it's and I can't understate that. And that comes from yeah. a silly idea. And you got everyone committing to doing it. And we, I, I mean, you say brothers, but brothers in like, I think we've all been pissed at each other in the way that brothers can be pissed at each yeah. other and yeah. get over it. <laughs> I think I, be. you know, like, I think I've apologized to you guys before for, you know, yeah. think like in that way of like, we're, I don't we're trust friends that, that honestly say, oh, we've never been mad at each other. Oh, then, yeah, I'm like, oh, then you guys aren't yeah. really good friends then, because <laughs> that's that really good friends implies that you've got all gotten mad at each other. Also, when you're putting up with someone like me, who's anxiety and and, and driven all the time, any human being, <laughs> these any, guys, any, you know, with these guys have put we, up with a lot, and I love them. So, uh, on, so on the personal note, I I do want to mention that of just how if this if we were telling people today that this show is over and then we're done after this, you guys would be as much a part of my life as you are now. I think, and maybe we wouldn't be able to get together every week like this and speak for a couple hours and yada yada yada, but. The friendship's going to last forever, and I think that's incredibly beautiful. On a non-personal note, on, on a kind of a pr- professional note, something that I'm very proud of, I'm, I'm proud of all four of us, and I'm proud of this show, is we've really done something special. Like, we, yeah. you know, we're not the biggest show in the world. We didn't come up with the idea of interviewing celebrities, but we we really did something new by tapping into the junket system for this. And we've benefited mm. from that and other people have done it, which is great. That's not even a, you know, a competitive note of just, it felt like we were at the beginning of that, of people really finding a way to leverage that. Um, and even the technical sense of, of getting the four of us, getting this to work, this video in front of you felt uh, with the budget. I put budget in quotes that we had to start with, you know, and remember Facebook and, lives. Yeah. We did like Facebook lives oh initially. Yeah. <laughs> this, this, was, this, this was also, this was also on a, on a, on an emotional note and just a mental health note during the pandemic mm-hmm. when we were all, everybody was home. And I, I know there are a lot more serious things to think about during the pandemic, but it was just nice to have this brotherhood and this show to go to, because when the pandemic hit, and we, we were all we were still doing the show every week and we were still getting guests essentially yeah. every week. Yeah. We had guests every you know, week during, we the had no during the pandemic. You know, it's funny. And, and, uh, and, it, and it just kind of helped me through, to, to be honest to, with you. To the point uh, you bring that up and that goes exactly to my point. When everyone switched to Zoom, we were the only show that I think was ready because we had been yeah. doing that. I was oh, like, that's an interesting I know point. how to do we that. Like, Skype. Remember, Skype yeah, was our yeah. first. Yeah. yeah. yeah when, <laughs> when the industry switched to this format, we were we'd been doing it. We were ready to go. And I think I think that was a huge yeah benefit to us i needed you guys i needed you guys during that time like that was that was we were all just like everybody was isolated the whole world was shut down and it was just you know what kept us going was movies it kept us going it helped i mean and even bigger i mean i know we're talking about the pandemic but like if you look over my right shoulder you know you got daenerys who has been a part of this show since the beginning she was (laughs) no joke a puppy when we yeah. started yeah, yeah. thumbs up yeah. And, and you know you just I just sort of yeah. you know whenever as we were talking and she kind of ran downstairs and sat down behind me I kind of looked at her and just sort of thought about like 
all, everything that's happened to all of our lives over the last six yeah. years. And, 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 you know, I don't think any of us want to get into sort of the ups and downs and the highs and lows. But like this show was the constant. This show was yeah, oftentimes mm-hmm. for me uh, a lifeboat, uh, a lifeboat mm-hmm. that I, I, I needed. Yeah. And, and um, you know, yeah. it's, it, it really it, it was kind of a fun, poetic moment of Daenerys running downstairs. It's I, constant. I, I, it's a good point. Well, I'll say this. I, the, the one thing that I'm most proud of is that when we're at a junket and the studios recognize yeah. that I'm part of the the show, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, it's it's you three, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. There's, there's just a yeah. rush to that. Yeah. There's a rush to that. Like if anyone mm. sees one of us and they're like, oh, where are the other two? That was know, the amount of times of I often get like, where are the boys? And like, I don't right. have to and ask who the boys also, are. I know exactly who it is they're talking about. How insane is it that we are somehow like a comfort to the studio in the sense of like, but what I mean by that is like, they, they want to put their talent in front of us. Yeah. Which I find it's, it's so, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a privilege and an it's honor. Like, yeah. like, like the, like these studios want like, because and again, this is not a tap ourselves on the back thing. We're just celebrating this yeah, thing. I was just we saying, built. that guy that wrote that comment is hating this Doesn't episode matter. right now. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care because this is we we put so much of our life into this. I, I have no you. problem commenting you. on it. It's not I agree with you, hundred percent. But I think I do think at the end of the day, it's like an honor to be to be on to be known by these studios as as people that they want to put their talent in front of. Like you have to understand, like. The first time we ever had like a major actor, a major, major actor on our show was Joaquin Phoenix, I would mm-hmm. argue. Um, yeah, and I to don't put, know who an actor before. I think we had Ty been. Sheridan, maybe, but I, I, oh, I mean, yeah, yeah, not, yeah. not not to knock Ty, Shannon, Ty Sheridan. But there's a difference between between again, like nothing, it's not specific, but someone yeah, who's yeah, like, yeah. it's hard to get in that yeah, they don't, yeah. you know, Joaquin they can for, just say no for Joker, too. Like Joaquin yeah. Yeah. for the movie Joker. that he won the Oscar for. And Joaquin yeah. is not somebody you put in front of people. Sure. <laughs> like he is. He He's is not someone you get at all. No, no. And so. That was to me, that was a turning like the Alfonso Coran was like the, the turning point in interviews. I know we have to get to this ending thing and then we'll wrap up. Um, but in terms of Sean like, has an actual family that he when, when, well, yeah. when we got when we got Joaquin Phoenix, though, there was a tide turned and then they put Tom Hanks in front of us for 30 sure. minutes. Oh, my God. And then what? he wanted to come back. And then he sends us all letters after the interviews are over. Like you have to understand, like. Like that stuff is still mind blowing. It's not like, hey, guys, look at us. We're awesome. No, we are all in shock. Like, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's insane. I, think I can put a button on that with with this before we get to we have a little trivia that I want us to quickly go through before we close out. But I don't know. I'm curious how people will be able to relate to this. You guys will know what I'm saying. But it was the feeling of when we first decided we wanted to try to do guests the yeah. focus and, and Sean and I did a lot of that. You guys helped a lot. Like it was built on the back of the clout and like the, the respect that you guys already had from your careers, but we were trying to convince everyone to let us do this additional stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was a grind. Like it was cold. Yeah. It was like cold calling and 30 and minutes cold emails. And, <laughs> and <laughs> I know, but, but it was, it was looking for every single, I was on IMDb pro looking for the most random person that could maybe get me an email address or a phone call mm. just to get people on there from when the, the moment that it, and I don't know that I can say when it changed, but when we started getting emails of, Hey, would you guys like yeah. to have this guest on was like, it Oh was my big. God, it finally paid off. Like it felt like we had been building and working to get a reputation again, you guys had already been established, which is a great head start for anyone that wants yeah. to do this. But that moment when, when studios and, and PR and everything started looking at like, Oh, this is, this is a place we can go to to, right. to, to send our mm-hmm. talent was 
a huge compliment. I want to hear this trivia. I'm yeah, dying to hear too. this trivia. So, so this should be fun. We'll, we'll go through it quickly. Name if you the guys, members of Real Blend. If you, if you guys want to keep your own score, you can, but I, I wasn't planning on keeping score. Oh, uh, we're keeping for the, score. For the fun of the game. Okay. <laughs> this is some fun factoids kind of stuff uh, to, to take us back. Okay. My first question for you, gentlemen, is uh, how many total episodes are there actually of Real Blend? Now, this... Including bonus... Oh, full episodes. Wow. So this is we're on 300 of actual full episodes where we say welcome, welcome. We also have bonus episodes, which consist of uh-huh. additional interviews, and we also wow. have a run of premium episodes. Are you giving us produced. multiple choice? Wow! Wow! I just want you to take a guess. So, and whoever's closest can can win this. But what do you think? This is episode 300. Okay. How many episodes of content? And you can't yes. go over. If you go over, oh, okay, Bob Barker, calm down. I, I, I was just gonna go with <laughs> I said, whoever's closest. closest. Yeah, closest. Okay. I swear, okay. I swear to God, if it's if I'm like one over, no, no, yeah. Okay, Jake, what do you have? An, a, a guest down. I got five fifty. Okay. Oh, five fifty. I went with four twenty five. Okay. Four twenty five. I did three seventy five. Three seventy five. Well, because if you think about, it, we we did more than a hundred episodes uh, of the premium. Did we? Did we? So here, here's the here's the total, and then I'll give you the breakdown. We have made a total of 523 episodes of content. Oh, oh my god! Wow. wow. Uh, okay. I, that should, this should be fairly accurate, unless unless some, you know one wow. of the things I missed That's something. That should be spot insane. on. So this oh my is god. This is 300 main episodes, 77 bonus episodes, mm-hmm. uh, wow. and we've done a hundred. We did 146 episodes of previous. Holy. God, yeah, I knew I knew we did a lot of. Oh, wait, do wow. I get that point? Sure. How are yes. we not? Ri- why are we rich? We should be rich. <laughs> wait, are, are you not? <laughs> what the hell? Jake and I are making <laughs> not. Jake, Jake and I are making Joe Rogan money. What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> <Joe> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we signed that four hundred million dollar deal. <laughs> yeah. um, All right, I'm taking that point. Fine. All right, a second. I have. What is the date of our first that our first episode premiered? Ooh. Oh, I'm looking for exact okay. month awards blend of the first episode of our show premiered. First episode oh. that touched the airwaves. What and about, I recommend um, that no one go back and listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> what for about, God, please don't. Can we can we do month and year? Uh, do month and year, but throw a date on there. I'm looking for a specific date. Take it. Take a uh. guess. Oh, I, I think you guys all know the, the month and, and year. I think you know. Yeah, I know that. Um, I'm gonna go. This is more for fun. With... This is more for fun. Let's do. Mm. Okay. All right. All right. You both locked right. in. <laughs> I should know this. <laughs> What's funny is I actually don't think I know the year. I'm not entirely Kev, sure. Kev, what'd you put down? I put January fifth, two thousand eighteen. Sean. I put November twenty ninth, twenty eighteen. Jake? I put I put January eighth, twenty eighteen. <laughs> the the uh, actual date that the first episode dropped is January eighteenth, twenty eighteen. My birthday? Wow. Oh, is that your yeah? Really? That's your birthday. Yeah, that's my yeah, birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Episode really? Bonus you point. Course, so Kevin, course. Kevin gets that point. Yeah. No, oh, you're closer I think you than were me. closer. Yeah. Wait, what'd you had, what'd you mark? I had January fifth. You did eighth. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, bonus point. To... What was the name of the show for that episode? <laughs> Awards blend. Awards was blend. Awards <laughs> blend. Yeah. Okay. What um, an awful is... name, by the way. Yeah. Wait, what was the what was the first date of our show? January what? 
January 18th. My birthday. Yeah, I will say, I was still speaking of, I hated Real Blend when I was outvoted for Real Blend. Not even by you guys. I think it was just sort of across. name? There was like a. I think there was a yeah. committee. <laughs> he wanted to call it Gabe and Friends. I love the name. I love our show's name. Gabe also, and company. If you're on, if 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 you're on YouTube, like it, shout, out, the name shout out to my my dad. I think he made yeah. the shirt that Gabe's yeah. wearing. Yeah. Gabe and my jacket too. Or was, yeah. no, no, he uh, he made the jacket. You know, I made the jacket. And then right, and then we had the other. The show this was shirt, for though. the. Uh, we did a yeah. This we did a little that's charity right. charity. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, I have a few more. I have a few more if you guys will. Go. Okay. Uh, can you name the four individuals that made an appearance on episode one? What? Yeah. Oh, I, okay. Oh, yeah. I can. I can. Wait, the can four, you, like besides us? The, the four individuals that made an appearance on episode one. Besides us or in, in addition to us? The four. All uh, four of them. Can I, wait, can I, can I share my answer? Sure. Oh, well, I'm, I'm still, is it, is it Kevin, wait, wait, wait. is it Kevin, oh. Sean, Jake, and... Gabe? No, it wasn't Gabe. Gabe just just take a guess. This is one. for fun, boys. This is for fun. Hold on. Do we Hold know? On, Are you sure Gabe wasn't in the first episode? I'm pretty sure. I don't remember that. But I'm a... That, that's like... Uh, what was it? Isn't like Kramer not in the first episode of Seinfeld? <laughs> uh... <laughs> okay, can I just answer? This is more Go for ahead. fun. Yeah, it's yeah, more yeah. fun. Uh, the four individuals are Jake... Sean, Kevin, and I famously was was silent for many episodes. Right, uh, but but rearing her head for the first time in episode one is Daenerys. Oh, oh, Daenerys. oh okay. that's a trick question. That's a, that's a trick question. <laughs> say four humans. She's just as valuable as a uh, member of this team as anybody. If she that's did funny. bark, she was in. She's in. Remember the window washers at your apartment? Oh my God. <laughs> Oh my god for for people that don't know what we're talking about i I used to live in an apartment that had these massive windows that overlooked the lake (laughs) of chicago and and my dog is to say the least not a fan of the window washers and it it always happened that they started washing my windows as we were rolling on Robland. and daenerys does not understand the concept of hey please be quiet we're recording so now now it's much better that i'm I'm down here in a basement uh, a a couple more fun ones and then we can we can we can move on i have a few more but but we can definitely get through these next two um what was the first movie we reviewed on the show oh wow that's a great question i i I don't know if this is the first but this is the first one i remember yeah and i'll give you a hint knowing when the show started is not going to help you oh Oh, interesting. So then maybe mine's not. I, well, I still. Okay. Well, I have. I have my answer. I'm gonna. Ooh. I'm gonna okay. say it either. Can I ask? Would this would would this have been a movie we were reviewing because it was coming out on a different platform, or was it an older film? Was it a newer movie uh, at the time, or an older film at the it time? It was. It was a newer movie. It was a newer movie. But but what was the yeah? The I think I, I think I know what it is. Okay. Just take a guess. Just take a guess. I have zero okay. All right, idea. Sean. Sean is gonna uh, abstain from answering a question. No, it was. Uh, it was. Um, the the boogeyman the boogeyman okay. is a january oh, horror release it doesn't sound like several right. years after we started the show yeah, yeah that was several years <laughs> so the boogeyman came out Skin in the summer rink. uh kev i did ready player one and uh Ooh. jake i did the last jedi it was the last jedi which came out before now i thought rise of skywalker no, but no, no, no. I just I was, wish y'all cared as much about this show as I do. Um, so here's true. Another, another one you guys will love. 
Who did Sean introduce first on episode one? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, okay. That's great. I'm, I'm going to, that's a great question. I'm going to say great. Kevin, because I think no. statistically speaking, Kevin gets the introduction first. No, more I don't. so. I think I you do. So, I don't think so I Kevin do. Kevin thinks it's Jake. Jake thinks it's Kevin. Sean, who do you think you introduced first? I think it's Kevin. I think it's, I think Jake. it's Kevin. So we know episode 300, Kevin got introduced first. Mm-hmm. In episode yeah, one, is. Sean introduced Jake first. Oh, I knew it! I knew it! celebrating this? Why am I celebrating not being introduced? Well, you got 300. At least, it's, alpha, at least it's alphabetical. You know, Sean, Jake. how often do you have to utilize the skills that you've learned with the boys to to, to sort of how you with how you handle Feed us? Feed our egos. Every show. Every, every show. Jake got one. Kevin gets 300. This, uh, this one can't, comes with a fun note. In episode one, Sean introduced you as two of my really good friends. But in episode two, he downgraded you to two of my favorite colleagues. <laughs> what happened in that week? Yeah, I was like, yeah. week three, it's uh, a couple of guys I know. Yeah. <laughs> two, two, two strangers. Uh, two, two acquaintances. Yeah. yeah, who just showed up. Uh, That's hilarious. I, if somebody listening has the time. To go to every intro of every Real Blind episode. And please don't. Episodes. Please find something else to do. Tell, I beg tell us, no, tell us the statistical breakdown of Kevin versus Jake's I would love to know. I, would, I, I would honestly would love to know. Yeah, I may have to do that. That was beautiful. Well, we have gone, we have gone well over. I, I will do one last thing. One last thing I wanted to say a huge thank you. And I think it's a fun celebration. Sean, thank you for going late with us. Apologize to your family for us, please. Um Who? We are his family. <laughs> I wanted to share with the audience at home that Donovan, the amazing Donovan, he's contributed with with games. He made this awesome poster that I hang on my wall with pride from amazing. Our, our live Incredible. show with Tarantino. It's on my refrigerator at home. So amazing. Here. He also made this amazing yes. poster, yes. Um, which I, I, I don't think we've shared on socials yet, but when this goes up, it will be on socials. I don't know if Donovan. Oh, I didn't notice the Be Kind Rewind sticker. Beautiful. Just it, now. So many great details of, of the dates uh, for awards blend and all this stuff. Do you guys um, notice that the zeros it. and 300 are films, film yeah. reels? Yeah. He's got the, the one, the first episode of awards blend. Is that say one eight? It does. It does. Let me double check. Let me double check. But I think it was, I, I, I have our actual feed. Okay. Uh, and that's what one eight was the date that I wrote down. That would be pretty great. But no, according that's episode to episode 100, that's episode 100 is one eight. Yeah, but no, so that's that's if you look at the, very, the one on the bottom, the one on the very bottom. Ooh, it is right. Blends. It is right. He's right. It's one eight. Oh, it's one eight. Did you nail it, Jake? <laughs> I nailed it. Oh, wow. You nailed it. That's I remember hilarious. thinking, I was like, I feel like I would have remembered if it was, it was on my birthday. A, it was just a little typo in my doc. Uh, okay. okay. So I feel like I get two points for that. I'm going to give myself sure, two points. Sure, sure. Tarantino volumes one through one through four. Crazy. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Hey, what's, where, no, where, what's crazy where, is to think that you could fit four? all of those on a VHS tape. Yeah. <laughs> At his house. Oh, the what VHS tape house? is such an incredible. It, you have to watch us on YouTube this week just to see Donna. Yeah. Also, it's soon it's going to be hanging over my shoulder because yeah. I have to get that. In also, house. I have to get that frame too. How do we get that printed out in a poster good question. frame? Well, I'll talk to Donovan and see if we'll, we'll see if there's something we can do. I wanted to ask if, you know, should we try to turn this into a T-shirt? You know, I... Comment yeah. down below, listeners, if, yeah. if you want to somehow own this piece of art um, so from great. Donovan. And, you know, maybe I can talk with Donovan and see if there's something we can we can figure out. But first, let us know if you're interested. T-shirts, posters. I don't know. 
is this something you would you'd be proud to have let us know we can, i would i would like we to can figure it. it out i also want to point out we didn't talk about it uh i was just talking to someone about um the real blend live in chicago our first our first like official meetup yeah. where we were all there and we like organized the event um how that was just that was just an amazing moment where well and also too, we to meet the, everyone the massive snowstorm that came in and we all got snowed in for but also i was also reminded of the kid that recognized sean and we thought he was being a jerk yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but do you remember what i remember about that moment is Jake we thought this, that guy well i thought i thought we all collectively like pumped up and we're like no one's making fun of our sean like yeah, we, yeah, I, yeah. I, just, I just remember that for a, <laughs> yeah. a moment we had this like very like friends come together and we're like yeah that's not happening that's not well, happening we were, and we were also like on we were all on top of the world after yeah. meeting everybody and everyone was so yeah. kind and it just felt so cool to meet all these people that this thing we had been doing yeah uh for almost a year yeah 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 crazy anyway thank you donovan right. Uh, I'll take a, take yeah. a look. People thank you, everybody. In. Thank you, yeah. everybody. Yeah, that's I mean, the last honestly, thing. Thank say. you, what everybody. Crazy who listened to this show and contributed in any way, shape, or form. Like the show doesn't exist if people don't tune in on a regular basis. So I think the only way to end the episode would be to say this is the only the beginning. Oh, nice. That's, all right, that's a good way. Or, to put it. Uh, Sean, I do, I do want to know our, our usual yeah. call to action. We have a several call to actions this week. Hit the comments with all of these. Um, but yeah. I do want to know whether you've been here um, for the whole ride. Uh, or or your newer listener, let us know if you can remember the first episode that you listened to, or interview, or the first time you tuned in. Um, and if you feel like it, uh, you know, drop your favorite moment or or memory with us would be wonderful down in the comments. But thank you all, all right. as, as everyone has said, thank you all because this doesn't. We'd just be talking to ourselves every week, and you know, that we'd have fun. Yeah. But uh, but you guys what are what make it worth it. So I'm just it really happy fun. the Rise of Skywalker moment ended up in Sean's intro because that's one of my <laughs> proudest moments I've ever. Had. Nobody was gonna say nothing was gonna save that guy's that guy's screening of that movie. <laughs> the Rise of Skywalker ruined that's, his. That's his one of those. If you know, you know. <laughs> that's up there with our with our video from Toronto of all of us. Oh, it, yeah, yes, yeah, yes, it yeah, is. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's get uh, us out of here before yeah. we. <laughs> that's for real we the show. That's our OnlyFans. It's <laughs> for the IG Live. <laughs> Go to oh, our don't only, forget. Real Blend OnlyFans. Oh, wait, the IG Live will have happened. Yeah, that's right. Hope you guys <laughs> Thank you for whoever tuned in. Yes. In the meantime, follow us on social media. We are at Jake's Takes, at Kevin McCarthy TV, at Sean underscore O'Connell, at Gabe Kovach, and the show is at Real Blend. We will talk to you next week for episode number 301. So until then, Dunkirk! Kelly Marcel. <laughs> Who? She directed Venom 3. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>